you could, just imagine for a moment what it would be like to be huddled in a dark, locked room with maybe just some of your family and friends. You know that there are people being dragged out of their homes. You can hear it in the distance. You can hear the sound of soldiers. And you wonder when they're going to break through your door. It would probably be somewhat like if you were a Christian during the ISIS reign of terror in Mosul, or a Jew when Hitler decided to exterminate the Jewish problem. And here you are now just thinking this must be the end, and even more heartbreaking, this must be the end for my family. And then, all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, everything changes. All of a sudden, Jesus Christ is there in the room with you, and there's hope, and you've gone from this despair and this fear to this expression of life, and not only that, but now there's a plan regarding how you're going to live your life. And this, of course, is the experience of the 11 apostles as they hid after the crucifixion of Christ. They were afraid But Jesus came to be with them, and he commissioned them for ministry. He he sent them out to build the church, and now we are the church. We have been commissioned. We have been sent out. And so this morning, I want us to discover what it means for each of us individually and as a church to just be everyday, ordinary ministers of the gospel. Because I would argue that everyday ordinary ministers of the gospel have power in their hands that we don't understand, and it is the power of Christ. So if you would, please take your Bibles and turn with me to this amazing section in John 20, beginning in verse 19. Today we're beginning a new series. It's called The Habits of Making Jesus Known. And as you know, as a church, we have this vision to make Jesus known through community impact. And in the next six weeks, we're going to begin to discover how we can do that. And we're going to use an acronym called BELLS, B-E-L-L-S. We're going to learn what it means to bless others, what it means to eat and fellowship with nonbelievers, how we can Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit to direct us. Learn the ways of Jesus and how he went about his ministry. And then understand that we are sent. You indeed are a missionary. God has placed you where you are. And here we have these everyday, ordinary people locked in this room. They're frightened. And Jesus shows up and everything changes. So let's begin John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. 
So as we unpack this this morning, you must understand this is a defining moment, not just for these apostles, but for the church, because Jesus is showing them his scars. They know now beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is alive. And it would be this understanding that would drive them forward to build the church and become evangelists. Even the meek ones would become powerful speakers in the name of Jesus Christ because they had witnessed the risen Christ. Now, in this context here, it's the evening of the Sunday of the resurrection. Jesus has already appeared to Mary Magdalene, but now he's going to appear to all 11 at the same time. And they were afraid. And and that's understandable because it had only been a couple of days and their leader had been crucified by the Romans. And the Jews had coaxed the Romans into killing Christ. The Jews, the Jewish leaders were hunting down the followers of Jesus. And so they hid, probably in the upper room, huddled there, frightened for their lives. And then Jesus appears and he offers them peace. He offers them direction. He offers them a plan. And here's the first point I want to make, because we are everyday, ordinary ministers of the gospel. We, we need to understand that Jesus is with those he loves. He, he had a heart for this group. He has a heart for you. And in their darkest hour, he appears to them, and he explains that he can bring them peace. And through this miracle, he just is there. It reminds me in the book of Acts when, when Peter escaped from prison in Acts 12.10, they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left them. Supernatural. And that's what was happening here. John doesn't tell us how he arrived at the spot. He doesn't say he walked through walls. He doesn't say that he walked through the locked doors. Just in this supernatural occurrence, he's there. And there's incredible joy because now the darkness is over and they have the light of their leader, their Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is with those he loves and he's offering them peace but he's also commissioning them for ministry. He's commissioned us for ministry. The Great Commission is a familiar passage, but sometimes we forget the last section of it. If we take a look at what Jesus told us to do, therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is with those he loves. He's with you. He's not just watching you from a distance. He's not just saying, okay, pray, I'll empower you, now I'm going to observe. No. Jesus is with those he loves. He appeared in the middle of this mess, these outcasts who were so afraid. And then came the assurance to these everyday ministers of the gospel, that he would bring them peace. Look at verse 19. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Just think about how those words would have settled on them. Peace be with you. It's okay. And though this is a common phrase, it 
closely matches the Hebrew term shalom, peace be with you. Here it is invested with a deeper and full, fuller meaning because he's assuring them as they're about to go and do their mission that he would be with them. And here's the second point I want to make this morning is that Jesus brings peace and courage to his sent ones. When you go off and launch into your mission, he will give you peace. He will give you courage as he walks alongside of you. This is the amazing thing about Jesus. This was not going to be any ordinary ministry for these people. This, this wasn't like, hey, I want you to go start a Bible study down the road. This would be lonely. It would be life-threatening. And many of them, most of them, would pay with their lives. But he's saying to them, I will be with you. Peace. Making Jesus known through community impact isn't just a slogan. It's a lifestyle that we can adopt. It's a way of living. It's a way of expressing who we are just in our ordinary rhythms of how our life works in front of non-believers and with non-believers that help us to connect with them. We can be intentional about who we spend our time with, where we eat, when we have free time and what we do with that free time. All of these normal things that we do can create relationships. It's all about this everyday, ordinary ministers. And, I, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but I know what some of you are already thinking. Hey, I'm no missionary. Now, missionaries are the ones I send checks to. No, you are a missionary. We are all missionaries. So he's commissioning his disciples. He's telling them, I'll be with you. Don't worry. You can have peace. And now the moment of the commission happens. Look at 20 and 21. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I love that phrase. They were glad when they saw the Lord. They probably sighed a huge sigh of relief. But they loved him too. And then in 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I find it also interesting that here they were huddled in fear, shaking, terrified, And he's not saying, hey, let's take a couple of weeks. Let's head down to the Mediterranean coast. You know, let's grab an umbrella. Let's relax. Kind of get yourself together. No. Peace be with you. I'm sending you out. Because he knew that this would be a time when they would be receptive to him. And so he's sending them as representatives of him. We have the honor and the privilege of being representatives of Christ. We have the honor and privilege of representing the person we just sang about, the one who holds the universe in his hands. And without him, the universe would fly apart. This powerful, amazing God, we have the honor of representing him. And the beautiful thing about his plan is we don't have to be anyone else but us. And so we don't have to say, you know what, I've got to quit my job and I've got to enroll in the Billy Graham, How to Be Billy Graham Institute. No. That's not how it works. He just wants you to be you. He loved his disciples. Here's the, in his prayer for the disciples, he kind of repeats this theme in John 17. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Father, you sent me into the world, now I'm sending them into the world. And them is now us being sent into the world. And I've seen many of you already doing this. 
living out your lives. I see you inviting your neighbors to your home. I see you finding time to walk with your neighbors, coaching teams. I see you interacting. I see you having uh, lunch at your workplace with the same people each time so that you can get to know them. And what I would say is, if you really want to establish relationships and you really want to just live your ordinary life out in front of people, then invite them into your passions. Don't change who you are. Invite them into who you are. I have this friend in, in Vancouver, Canada. I did a, 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 just a really hard funeral for his son who died of cancer a, a year and a half. And he and his wife are not Christians. They were going through a divorce. It was a very, very dark day. And so as I normally would, I walked over to him and I said, listen, how about if we grab a coffee and maybe we can talk some more. And most of the time they don't follow up on that, but he did. So we went out for coffee and we, we found out we had two things in common. Number one, we both lost children. So there was a bond there immediately. But then secondly, we found out that we're both passionate about baseball. He's a huge Toronto Blue Jays fan. So that was my in, because I could talk baseball with him. And so we would get together late at night at this coffee place, and we would talk, and it would be honestly 80 90% about baseball, and then we'd slide into, how are you really doing? And then he was ready to open up, because he knew that I cared about him. I didn't change who I am. I just invited him into my passion. And we still email back and forth, and I just pray that he would find Christ. And I wish I could have stayed there to help him, but I know that's not my thing. But here's the point, is that he commissions everyday people to shine for him. You are that person. So the commissioning's happened. He's with us. He brings peace. And now I want you to know that he brings power. So here's something that I think will encourage you. Jesus empowers everyday people. You are not on your own. In fact, I think if you think you're on your own, you will fail. Look here at verse 22. These apostles are sent with authority because Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now this can be a little bit confusing because we're still 50 days away from the day of Pentecost, that time when the Holy Spirit would be unleashed to the church and there was tongues of fire and they're speaking in tongues. And, but here Jesus is breathing on them and saying, here's the Holy Spirit for you. So what's happening here is this is a foretaste. This is a preamble to the full giving of the Holy Spirit. But these disciples needed that power. Remember who these people are. I was, I was watching some of John McCain's funeral, and without getting real irritated, first they read out of the Book of Wisdom, which I don't even know what that is. And then finally, somebody started reading the Bible, and they, you know, it was this really formal, you know, from St. John and St. You know. No, these people were not saints. They were ordinary people. They were tax collectors, thieves before they met Christ, fishermen. They were zealots who were trying to overthrow the Romans. And they needed power because they weren't the top echelon of society. Really, it wasn't until Paul was appointed by Jesus that you finally got somebody who was really educated. And so they got all they needed. Here's what John Calvin says about this incident. And I really like this. 
it ought to be observed that those whom Christ calls to the pastoral office, he likewise adorns with the necessary gifts that they may be qualified for discharging the office or at least may not come to it empty and unprovided. He gives you the necessary gifts. Now you're saying this, I know, pastoral office, that's you. We're paying you to be the pastoral office. True. But what I'm saying is that you are the ones who do the ministry. You're a pastor. You're a missionary. You're the one who is out there every day. And you have a much better sphere of influence than I do. We've got to break down this gap we have in churches between full-time clergy and lay people. Because we're all in this together. You have opportunities to talk with people, to get involved with their lives every day. When they find out I'm a pastor, they clam up. And it's frustrating. So I just have to work at it a little bit harder. I miss being with non-believers. When I was in radio and television, I was with them all the time. Then I probably didn't like being with them. I don't remember. But I will say, you have a better opportunity than I do. And the beautiful thing about this is you will be equipped with everything you need. Well, I don't even know. I don't have a seminary degree. I don't, you know, I, I, he'll equip you with everything you need. So many times we look at other people in the church and we think, well, they can do that. But I really, that's not me. You'll be equipped with everything you need. He's given you the power to do that. He's given you his peace and his presence. So the question then becomes, well, then what exactly are we supposed to preach to people? What are we supposed to reflect to them? What is the message exactly? Well, Jesus defines that too, right here. The mission defined is this, reconciliation through the forgiveness of sins. Reconciliation with God through forgiveness of sins. That's the heart of the gospel. And here Jesus reflects on that in verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. You mean we have the power to forgive sins? and not? No, that's not what he's saying. Here's what he is saying. First of all, you must understand that forgiveness of sins is central to the apostolic message in the Bible. It is the central piece of the gospel. Because without forgiveness of sins, we cannot be reconciled to God. And forgiveness of sins is only available through Jesus Christ. And so the message we need to bring to the world is, you can be forgiven through Christ. We complain about how bad the world is. You know why it's bad? It's because people need Christ. And I'm just telling you right now, we're back from summer, so we need to get busy on these lanterns. It's been way too long since we added one up here. And it's going to be all of us that have to be a part of that plan. So here's what he is saying. He's saying that you can be an emissary of the truth. Jesus, when he initiated communion in Matthew 26, here's what he said. He took a cup, and we're going to celebrate communion in a moment, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood for the covenant of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, central to the teaching of Christ, central to reconciliation. So here's what Jesus is saying to you. As a believer that understands truth, When someone comes to faith in Christ, you have the authority to announce that they are forgiven of their sin. Similarly, if someone has not come to Christ, you have the authority to be a truth teller and say they are not forgiven for their sins. That's all he's saying. But the central message is 
Forgiveness of sins is the message that we need to be bringing to the world. This is an amazing turn of events in just a few verses. They're huddled in fear, terrorized. Jesus shows up. Not only does he bring them peace and life, but he commissions them to build the church. Here are just a couple of helpful tips. First of all, you are called and commissioned by Jesus. You cannot escape this calling. I'm sorry. You cannot pawn this off on someone else. You cannot just say, I'm going to give to the church, and then they can do that. We're going to hire a good pastor to do that. I'm going to pray for my friend who does that. No, you're commissioned and called by Jesus. You may not have the spiritual gift of evangelism, but you are still called and commissioned by Jesus to be yourself in front of non-believers, and he will equip you. So here's how you can lean into this calling. First, thank God for your mission field. Instead of resenting it or wanting more or wishing you had a different way to do it, just thank God that he's placed you where you are. Start thinking of the people that are around you every day, the neighborhood you live in, the people who live in your house. Thank God for your mission field. Secondly, be praying for opportunities. This is really important because if you pray for opportunities, God will provide them, and he'll do it in surprising ways. So then you have to to be ready to pray for opportunities. I was driving to to broadcast a basketball game once, and I I was thinking, Lord, maybe give me a chance to, to just talk to somebody tonight you know, I have a job to do, but it, so I walk in, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a kid who's in college. He's sitting on press row, and his Bible's open. And I knew he wasn't a believer. So I'm thinking, maybe that's an answer to prayer. It doesn't take much to get through here. So I walked up. I said, what are you reading? And he told me he's doing a class. So I had a chance just to talk to him a little bit about Christ, about the Bible. That's just an answer to prayer. So be praying. And then this seems obvious, but this is vitally important. Walk with God. Walk with God. The most effective, everyday, ordinary ministers of the gospel are those that are deeply, deeply in love with Christ because that flows out of them. They don't have to pretend. And if you don't walk with God, everything we've discussed this morning will be moot because it just isn't going to work. So walk with God. And then finally, I would say this. Rely on the power of Christ. Stop trying to do it yourself. Jesus said, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And now we have the fullness of Pentecost. We have all of the equipping inside of us that we need through Christ. So walk in courage. These everyday, ordinary Christians in this passage were huddled together in fear. But Jesus shone a light on them. Commissioned them for ministry. We can be effective ministers for Jesus. And so I'm looking forward to understanding more about the habits that make Jesus known. But just know this morning that he has a special plan for you. He loves you. He's with you. And he's excited, I think, to show you his plan.